Welcome into a brand new 300 yards to unknown coming to you from Blue Wire Studios at Win Las Vegas. And it is United States Open week. That's good to say. Tournament preview, mostly honestly a course preview, a little bit of a field breakdown, maybe some conversation around live golf. Yeah, that's a thing that we're going to have to talk about. Joining me, the incomparable <laughs> Mina Rungood. She's back. Hello, I'm back. <laughs> You're behind the counter this time. Yes, I feel a lot more official. I feel like I'm really a, a co-host now. Oh. Is that too much? <laughs> no, by all means. <laughs> by all means. Um, this is obviously a special one. It's a major championship. It's at a golf course that's like one of the first golf courses on planet Earth. It's in Boston. We're going to be there. Yeah. It's going to be so. a lot cooler in Boston. It's going to be 100 and, 111 in Vegas today. Yes, I'm really looking forward to that cool Boston weather. Is it actually? Did you check the weather? Yeah, it's going to be like, I think it's like a high of 70 something, which is great. That's the we That's the weather preview for the U.S. <laughs> Open. It'll be 70 something, which will be great. You'll be on vacation. I'll be working. CBS Sports HQ in person for the first time. Media credentials. So I have fancy. to work. I have to work though. Yeah, but Does that mean I can't pound nine nine beers at seven a.m. I think it's probably frowned upon. I mean, you probably could. Would they know? Yes, they would. <laughs> You're such a lightweight. <laughs> they would. They would definitely know. Uh, so we'll be doing hits throughout the day. Kyle and I will be there. Mm -hmm. I hope they set up. So generally, they set up like by the driving range. Yeah. That would be cool. Yeah. I, I don't know what Brookline looks like. Me either. I didn't see the driving range in the movie, so. We'll get to the movie. <laughs> we'll get to the movie in a second. So if you're going to be in Boston, come say hello. That'd be nice. Met a bunch of people at Torrey Pines. Uh, would like to meet a bunch of people at Brookline. So that'll be fun. Come. Come and join. Storylines, obviously, third major championship of the year. That goes without saying. But there is the live golf hangover where… Phil, Dustin Johnson, all these other guys, uh, Martin Keimer, Taylor Gooch, who played in London and have now been suspended by the PGA Tour, are going to tee it up at Brookline. How do you, how do you think they will be received? I don't know. I mean, the Boston, Boston people are obviously, you know, they, they can be more heckly than others. Mm. But… I don't know. Do these people care that much? I don't think they do. And yeah. also, I don't think it's… I think they're going to be received exactly as, as they too. normally would. I agree. I don't think they were super popular. Maybe outside of Phil, but I don't think they were super, super popular guys to begin with. Right. And I don't think most people care or know what's going on. But I think the media, myself included, will foam at the mouth over it. I mean, it is kind of crazy. It is kind of crazy. They're going to come back and, and, and play this the week following. And then they're going to go to Portland for the next event. I also don't think everybody's like anti the decision that these guys made. Sure. So you have to take those people out of it too. Bryson's kind of the interesting one because so they announced uh, Friday that officially Bryson's going to live golf, which is what we knew, which he hasn't made a state. As we record this, he has not made a statement about it. So I imagine there's going to be a lot of, hey, Bryson, a week ago, you kind of downplayed your involvement in all this, and now you are headed over there. I mean, do you think he's going to do media? Does he, he have he's to? He's a 
he's a past champion. Actually, I thought he was on, I can check the media schedule, but even if he doesn't do media, I guess he, if he really wanted to, he could avoid everything, but that doesn't seem like a great idea. I could see him doing that. I mean, sure. That's, I think, haven't we seen him, seen him do that in the past? Like, just like avoid media stuff. Yeah. So, like, during the whole Brooksy stuff. He's got to say something. <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't put it past him. <laughs> the star of the show is going to be the, the country club. We'll talk about that in just a second. Previous winners, John Rom, six under par, Tory Pines. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau, six under par, Wingfoot. He was the only guy under par. I think Matthew will finish second at even. There's, there's a lot of conversation around U.S. Opens and the way the USGA wants to set these things up and how it is going to be different than Wingsfoot. We'll talk about that in just a second. Gary Woodland won at Pebble Beach, some comps to Pebble Beach, and then Brooksy went back-to-back at uh, Shinnecock and Aaron Hills. Wait, when you say Brooksy, do you I mean, mean Brooks oh, Kepka or? <laughs> I mean Brooks Kepka. So okay. actually three Brooksies in the last five years, if you count Bryson in this scenario. <laughs> but yes, Brooks Kepka won in 2017 and 2018. This is our, this is like our open championship. This is it. The, the idea that, really anyone can get into this field is still fascinating in 2022, right? Uh, I have the field list here. There was only 89 exempt players, which means 66 guys qualified. So that means there's 66 Francis Wiemets. <laughs> sure. They're not all amateurs. Yeah, sure. But I like, you should, you're, you're blowing through all your knowledge it's in the first awesome. two minutes of the show. I got to keep people, I got to make people stay. Yeah, save some of this. We got plenty of, <laughs> plenty of conversation to come. But the idea that what, a third of the field, six, well, maybe more than that, um, qualified in. Is that the highest of like any event? Uh, well, the Open Championship has qualifying as well. I don't know what the percentage Ratio is. is. Yeah. But the Masters is invite only. There's no qualifying well, outside yeah. of the fact of you playing around the world, if you want to call that qualifying. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the PGA Championship, that's, you know, I, I can't qualify into that. Like if I right. was if I was literally good enough to go through sectionals and to go through final qualify, like I could be in this field. There, there's really nothing like that that exists. Wow. It's great. In the United States. You should try it. No. Well, <laughs> okay. But that, I don't, I don't think it'll end well for me. Um, <laughs> So the field is complete, 155. I actually believe they could get this to 156, depending on who wins the RBC Canadian Open. If they are not already in, they would get in. So I believe there is one spot being held because 155, that's not the right number. 156 would be more reasonable. Okay, so if you had to pick one person from the field this week who is not already in the field next week, who would you predict? Predict or who who would I like? Uh, both. Uh, you're putting me on the spot because I have to look through this field here. So let's look. Okay, let's let's look. We'll do this. We're, we're we'll do it. I'll just cut it out. <laughs> we'll just cut this if it takes me nine and a half minutes to figure out an answer to this question. Okay, so let's look realistically here at who is in the mix. Uh, it's like Nick Hardy in this. He might have qualified in. Nick Hardy would be kind of interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I don't know. We'll figure that, that out later. Oh, okay. <laughs> the country club. The country club. I mean, to call it the country club, it's pretty presumptuous. I I would I would say so. Now, in their defense, yes, 
I have learned in recent hours. Almost in recent, <laughs> almost in recent minutes. That this place is really old. Yeah. So it could have been like the country club in its area at that time. Which there were it, probably no other country clubs in all right. of New England. Which it basically was. Right. So I get it. But I don't know. Like, shouldn't they have renamed it? Yeah. I guess all the yeah. like traditionalists. Are yeah, come I'm not sure now. this is a place of modernization <laughs> yeah. and updating and progressiveness. The I don't. I'm not club. sure. I'm not sure that's the case. <laughs> the Country Club Club in Brookline, Massachusetts, obviously one of the oldest country clubs in the United States, founded in 1882. What was going on in 1882? Let me put this into perspective for you. In September of 1882, Thomas Edison, that guy, that Thomas Edison starts the first commercial electric power plant in the United States. And because of that, they were able to light one square mile of lower Manhattan. One square mile of lower Manhattan had access to electricity in 1882. That's how long ago. Wow. Yeah, that's a, that's a long time. It ago. is kind of hard when you start thinking like, okay, like I know Thomas Edison, like how long ago was Thomas Edison? That was really only, I don't know, three generations, two or three generations, mm -hmm. something like that. Mm -hmm. It's not that long ago. Yeah. Originally founded for horseback riding and other activities, mostly shooting, the golf course was not created until 1893. There is a really good, um, there's such a good history. So, so basically, you know, 11 years after they're founded, they put up six holes. And then they realize, okay, we like this. Let's continue to expand it. And over the next couple of years, they end up getting to what is now the 27 that they have on, on site right now. But that was not the main objective of this golf course. So did they play the six holes three times? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> or was it like six holes and you're done? Because think about how volatile that would be. Talk about randomness in golf. <laughs> Talk about randomness and golf. So the other thing is... Um, this is one of the founding clubs of the USGA. So basically, I think they, they figured out this is one of the first like 100 golf courses or country clubs uh, in the United States. It's one of the five founding courses of the USGA. There's obviously a ton of history here. The history is fascinating. We're going to get to some of the holes and how they are still being, like I'll give you a perfect example. Number one, uh, you know, this is a, this is a rugged piece of, of ground, a, a rugged piece of New England ground. It's, it's, not like some of these rolling, beautiful terrains that you get in other places. It's, it's much sharper than that, except for number one. Number one is the only flat spot on the property. Number one is where uh, the original horse track, the horse racing track was. So when, when number one goes out, it's flat, it goes out and it turns left, which would have been like turning left to come down the home stretch. And they, they kept the fairway basically on the outline of that track. If you didn't know the history, you'd be like, that's a weird, that hole doesn't fit here. Mm. It's like too flat. It doesn't look like all the other holes. But when you realize that 140 years ago, that was created to be because of the horse track, like that's kind of crazy. Yeah. And, and they never, and they didn't change it after that, which is, I think, part of the whole history vibe of this place. Right. Yeah. I guess context is such a big deal here. The, massive moment, the moment that you've already emptied the chamber on in terms of your knowledge <laughs> is Francis We Met winning the 1913 U.S. Open as an amateur. 
you and I started watching The Greatest Game Ever Played. That's technically a Disney movie. That's a movie that, I don't want to say chronicles that, but it tells the story. Yeah, so I got tricked into watching this movie, just so everybody knows. Uh, I was told we're going to be watching a Disney movie. <laughs> I, that was not a lie. And I was like, ooh, Aladdin, Lion nope. King. And then this came on, and I was like, guess we're doing this now. But actually, I did. I enjoyed it so far. Well, we we're not finished it. <laughs> that, that's the problem. So we're not done it yet. Um, so I'm going to have to spoil this for you. He he ends up winning. I had a hunch. Yeah, yeah he ends up winning in a in a 18 hole playoff with uh, Harry Varden and, and Ted Ray, who is not Harold Varner. Correct. First, correct. Which is correct. Kind of what I thought. Yes. So <laughs> that obviously being a big deal because at the time touring pros were not the same as we expect touring pros to be. Harry Varden and Ted Ray come over with the idea of capturing the U S open. Harry Varder Varder had Harry Varden. See now, <laughs> now my brain has been tricked into it. Harry Varden, like the most accomplished golfer on the planet. Um, obviously the favorite to do it. And this kid who literally lives across the street, who's the caddy, who has no, no reason of being there wins the thing. I cannot wait to see it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the house is still there. Wow. And I'm pretty sure it's like right next to the property. I'll see if I can find it and I'll take a pick. Yeah. It was pretty cool that his house was right there. It was like such a tease when his dad was like, you can't play. Yeah, his dad was kind of a jerk. And then he had to like hear them playing. I don't know what kind of you know, freedoms they took in telling that story. Like, was oh. his dad actually a jerk that didn't want him to do it or was his dad very supportive? Right. And was his mom also, like, a ride or die? Or right. was she just like, I don't really care what you do? Tough to say. But that that win and the shock of it at the time went basically international or at least across, obviously, big across the, the United States and is actually credited... Uh, with a lot more people getting into golf, especially people who were not hoity-toity country club people. And the number of golfers in the country tripled in the next 10 years. And there was like a huge increase of golf courses being built. It was like the moneymaker effect. Oh, like Chris Moneymaker? Is that his name? <laughs> yes. Okay, yeah. When Chris Moneymaker wins the World Series of Poker, everyone's like, wow, the, uh, the, the dream. Someone, this amateur who qualified for... $40 in an online tournament just won the main event. Wow. Talk about growing the game. Talk about growing the game. <laughs> so kind of like that, basically the, the, the golf equivalent of it. Um, we'll dive deep into the course, but it's hosted a ton of championships. Uh, 1999 Ryder Cup, that was Justin Leonard sinking the long putt on, on 17 and the United States team running out, running all over the green, celebrating while Jose Maria Olofable still had to putt. And... They had to like calm everything down and like, well, he just kind of ran all over the green and like, this is not a great look and he misses it. And then uh, I think that was just to have the match, but that allowed the U.S. to either retain or win the cup in 99, which is kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. And then the storyline that you will hear, especially if Matt Fitzpatrick goes on to win the RBC Canadian Open, is this host of the 2013 U.S. Amateur and Matt Fitzpatrick won it. So we could have a situation in which Matt Fitzpatrick wins the week before he goes back to a place where he won the U.S. Am. Wow. Which people get hot and bothered by those trends. What do you mean? Like, they will be like, well, it's a lock. He's going to win. Oh, oh. 
like they'll be like that's a that's a thing right right like finding a finding a right causation where there's a correlation or something yeah like nine <laughs> nine years ago he played a golf course that yeah. was better than everybody else there's probably a lot of events he won nine yeah. years ago Technically 27 holes here. Uh, two different nines. One, the, Cl- the Clyde. One, the Squirrel. That makes, those two nines make up the main course. And then there's a nine-hole executive course called the Primrose course. But the championship routing includes several holes from all three of them, including the Primrose course. They use a really short par three, which we'll talk about. There is also um, one hole where they took two holes from the Primrose course and combined them into one to make a par four. And also it's funny because you can see they basically converted one of the greens to fairway. So you, you run out to the end of the fairway and there, it, it looks like there's a green there that they're not going to use, but it's technically the end of the fairway in this situation. It, it might look better than the flyovers I saw from a couple weeks ago because it might be it might look more natural now as they've mm-hmm. let it grow in and all that stuff. But uh, it's, they, they get very, very creative when it comes to championship routing. I mean, I feel like, um, and I, you guys kind of talked about this on the scramble. I hope that the viewing experience in person is everything that you want it to be because I know on TV it's, like, easier to see these kinds of things if they do a good job covering it. Yeah. I, uh, it, it's a crapshoot yeah. when you get there and you, you don't know how it's set up or what you're going to be able to see or right. all that stuff. Can I, like just pray for inside the ropes access. I can't see anything if I don't have, like, I will not be able to see anything. I'll sit in the media center the entire time. I'm seriously not gonna be able to see anything if I can't get inside the ropes. I, I will send out all the good vibes for you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, it's a par, it's the championship course plays as a par 70. So Gil Hans did renovations in 2013, 2019. This is ongoing. They removed trees. They actually expanded the greens. That's going to be a huge, uh, a huge component of this week. So it's a 35 on the front, a 35 on the back. It's a par 70. That'll play 7,254 yards. I've got the official scorecard here. Ooh, pretty interesting stuff. Tiny little greens. 4,300 square feet on average. Second smallest in major championship golf history next to Pebble Beach, Poana Greens. So we've got small Poana Greens. Sounds a lot like Pebble Beach. The greens have actually been expanded. They were like 4,000 square feet. Now they're 4,400 square feet. And the idea is they're still very, very small, but they were able to get more pin locations by making them just a little bit bigger. There was, they had a situation where the greens were so small you could only put pins in so many spots and you couldn't get a lot of really good championship pin locations. So the, I, they actually had to expand them to get access to more pins, which I thought was kind of fun. So that mean, does that mean there's less, like, not rough? What's around the green? Rough. Yeah, does that mean there's less rough? Uh, I guess technically in those areas, but what ends up actually happening is so there are still hazards around the greens. So there's bunkers around the greens and obviously thick rough and expanding the greens, let them get access to new pin locations, which actually bring the trouble more into play. Because now if they can get a pin kind of tucked more into the left-hand corner, it's now closer to a bunker, which when you start thinking about dispersion, mm-hmm. guys are going to get in those bunkers more often because they're going to try to take on pins instead of, hitting them to the middle every single time. So actually expanding the greens, getting new pin locations, 
doesn't decrease guys in those bunkers or in those hazards. It actually increases it, which is counterintuitive. Counterintuitive. Yeah. Talked about how it's kind of just like a New York, New England rugged style golf course. Uh, greens are very, very small. Off the tee, the, the Bryson plan, unlikely to work. So the Bryson plan at Wingsfoot was phenomenal and why he ran away with it. When you were at Wingsfoot and you were not in the fairway, everything was five or six inch rough. Everything was. And it didn't matter if you were one yard off the fairway or you were 100 yards off the fairway, you were in five-inch rough or six-inch rough. There was no difference between those two things. So, and then combine that with very small fairways, everyone was playing out of the rough. And when everyone's playing out of the rough, Bryson wins. Mm -hmm. He just has such a huge edge there. That's not necessarily in play because uh, there is not only rough, obviously, but there is fescue, like knee-high, chest high in some situations, it's, it's unpredictable. So, so you will be penalized the more offline you are, which increases unpredictability, increases randomness, and increases the difficulty of shots. So that, that Bryson plan, highly unlikely to work here because you're going to have so many different shots that you're going to be facing. So, so is this increasing randomness? Yeah, there's more stuff that's going to increase randomness too. Okay. Yeah, big time. So approach shots. Um, contour, there, so outside of hole number one, not many level lies, a lot of contour, a lot of rolling, a lot of New England ruggedness. And then you have those super small greens that we talked about, which are going to be difficult to hold. And so when you start thinking about who could potentially be great at a major championship like this, uh, the, the Bryson plan, which is when everyone's in the same spot, I win from here, could also be equated around the green. If everyone is playing from green side, the best short game players will win. Right? Yeah. If everyone misses the green, right. the best short game players win. So, just to be clear, short game is like around the green and putting. That is correct. Okay. Yep. So, so does that make it like, not good for Victor? Because he sucks at chipping? <laughs> do not invoke Victor's... <laughs> do not invi- invoke Victor's chipping skills on this show, please. Um, well, so so the, the two paths are, are this. The two paths are... Uh, like, Victor wins... Like, Victor's path to winning is hit every single green. Right. Or hit way more greens than everybody else does. Mm-hmm. And hit way more fairways than everybody else does. So he his bunker game could come into play a lot more here if he's always going for the green, right? Well, or always if he's missing paint. greens yeah. and he's relying on bunker play. Well, he would, he, if he's missing greens, his bunker play is going to come more into play because there's less of the rough and the bunkers and the greens. Well, there's are, rough as well, but yes. Okay, but yes. based on yes. what you were saying with the greens being yeah. Victor, Victor's got plenty of paths to victory. The, the main one is fairways and greens. That's, yeah. that's, Victor's, that's Victor's path. Around the greens, you want randomness? Insert chocolate drops which are, believe it or not, a real thing in golf course design. Chocolate drops are literally mounds of rock that grass has grown over, which is insane. But when they're building these golf courses, apparently, and they're using all this rock, and they're about to be like, okay, well, we don't need this rock anymore. We're about to move it somewhere else. Instead of just moving it, 
Uh, they just move it to the green side and then grow grass on top of it. So they don't have to like move all these piles of rocks all over the place. So you're actually going to see right off the green, there are, I don't know, they're probably 18 inches high. These little random mounds, mounding, probably a dozen of them that are called chocolate drops. Is that like where the fans are standing? Well, no. That's, oh, okay. They're like right off the green. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. No, they're 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 like a ha- they're basically a hazard is what they are. Well, I was going to say it's like a lawsuit waiting to happen. Well, but if sure. the fans aren't there then no. They're basically a hazard and what those chocolate drops create is a situation where you are just getting random unpredictable lies cuz you might be on the downslope of one with the ball below your feet, you might be on the downslope of one with the ball above your feet, you might be like it, it's just you could be on any side of it and it's a lot of luck, quite frankly. You could be in between two of them and not really be able to get your club on, on the ball. It's a, it's a very bizarre design that uh, comes a lot more into play in New England uh, than a lot of other places, but it's, 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 it's basically a hazard. It's basically a hazard. Wait, so are these like unique to this golf course? Because I've never heard about this. I haven't heard about a lot of things in golf, but I have never heard about this. Not unique to this golf course, but I do think it is becoming increasingly more rare. Mm. Because as redesigns happen, they tend to get rid of these things Mm -hmm. and replace them with other hazards. And other areas of the country, these would make no sense in. Right. So I think they're becoming increasingly more more rare. But they are absolutely certainly in play for this week. Putting-wise. Uh, the greens are cantered horizontally. So you've got sometimes back right to left front. You get these big bending putts on small greens and being above the hole is absolutely terrifying. So it's just such a mind-numbing situation and this golf course throws at you uh, so many different blind shots, which we can talk about. The routing is phenomenal. I, I mean, number the, normally, or not normally, but sometimes in major championships or sometimes... It, at golf courses in general, the earlier holes are easier. It's like a, oh, it's like a nice easy handshake or whatever, right? It's like, oh, welcome to the golf course. The first couple of holes, we'll start you off on a par five and then we're going to take you an easy short par four and then we'll just get you into the round and we'll beat you up on the back. The first five holes here are like, or maybe the first four holes here, four are pretty tough. Uh, number one, it's like not an easy par four. Number two's Number two plays as a four for the members, but it's a three for these guys. So it's a long par three. Number three's got these obscure, like these huge mounds, like probably 20 feet tall. I guess they're hills that let you kind of decide how far down the fairway you want to take it. But the more aggressive you are, the harder your next shot could be or the less look you have at the greens. It's just like it attacks you mentally as well. Which, yeah, especially because it doesn't like warm you up a little. <laughs> it does not warm you up at all. And then four is like one of the longest, most difficult holes they have. So, so if you get through one through four at even par, you'd probably be, you'd probably be pretty thrilled about it, which is not super common, I guess. Do you think there's going to be a hole by hole props? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just uh, that just made me think I of don't that. Know. <laughs> Because I feel like that's a good place to kind of, you know, do do some overs. I hope so. I hope so. Hmm. Who do we have to call about that? The homies over at PP? Prize picks? The homies. Guys, yeah. you're gonna have you're gonna have you're gonna have hole by hole props for this? 
I think it's a great place to deploy them if we already know. Or I mean, maybe it's not great for them. It's just great for people. Who, maybe it's great for us. Us people who know. So there's um. Here's what I would do for I would if I was Prize Picks. If you're listening. Or if you want to pay me for my opinion here. Nobody's paying you for this opinion. <laughs> Number 15 would be a good hole for this. So 15 is a long par five. Okay, I love this. It's a long par five where basically the last third of it is elevated. Okay. Mm-hmm. So in theory, you hit a really good drive. And then you have to hit your second shot, uh, which you probably still won't reach the green with, up to a another kind of fairway and where the green is at to like an elevated, I don't know how high it is, 20, 25 feet above you. So that alone is, is difficult, but like that's the plan. And then you're up by the green and then you try to get up and down for birdie and you try to move on. The problem is if you miss the fairway on this par five, you cannot get to the upper level of the third, the final third of this hole. So you have to lay up, but you have to lay up like 200 yards back. So now you, these guys are going to be furious to have to lay up with a wedge to then go hit a four iron. Wow, that's like backwards math. It'd be like driver, wedge, yeah. four iron, wedge, putter. It's going to drive him crazy. So basically, like, if you, if you miss the fairway, you, you, can't, you can't get to the upper level in two. So that would be, that would be an awesome hole-by-hole prop. And you could probably set it at five. I don't know. We'd have to see, but that would be a good one. Call your friends. I'll let them know. <laughs> 11, 11 is a very short par three. Maybe 130 yards on the scorecard right now. They have it at, um, they have it at 131. But I'm looking at the championship scorecard. That's obviously going to fluctuate throughout, throughout the week, depending on you know, course setup and conditions and everything else that they that they want to do. But 11 is, um, I believe, actually from the Primrose course where they there, there used to be a situation where walking from 10 green to 11 T was like a 300-yard walk. It's just the routing, it didn't, it didn't work. And there was like a 300-yard walk. So what they did instead is they dropped, they added this into the routing, this little drop, drop par three, where these guys aren't, that's not even a full wedge for most of these guys. It's going to be a little flip wedge that kind of bridges the gap there. The problem is you could make a big number, even though it's very, very short. So they've got uh, probably the toughest bunkers on the green protecting, or toughest bunkers on the course protecting that green. And there are these uh, wetland hazards, red staked wetland hazards, that if you were long, you could legit be dropping by the green on a hundred and like, it might play one twenty-two, And if you go long, you're dropping three down, which is kind of fun. Wow. I can't, I can't believe that such a short hole could cause so much trouble. It might not. It might be the easiest hole in the golf course, yeah. but like, I guess in theory it could, we're doing a lot of, we're doing a lot of speculating on all of this, but the scorecard's pretty stout. So, uh, the part fives are number eight, five fifty-seven. And number 14. Why did I think 15? I was thinking of 14. So I said 15 is a long par five. That one that I described with the elevated. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's actually 14. Okay. 619 yards. Holy crap. 
crap. Then the par threes are 215, 192, the drop shot 131, and 202. That's fun. Almost a 80-yard difference. No, more than that. More than an 80-yard difference between your shortest par three and your longest par three. That's pretty cool. They're going to be hitting lots of different clubs into those. It's a good setup. I've heard that it's like going back in time. Like you're going to get there and it's like you walk on, on the grounds and it's going to be like it's 1913. It, honestly, a lot of Boston feels like that. Like so many, especially in that area, like that Fenway, Brookline, that kind of area. It, it all feels like you're back in time with like the cobblestone and all that. I want to buy some swag. What are you going to get? I Bob? want, so here's, here's the dirty little secret. <sighs> I'm addicted to uh, club hats. This is not a secret. Everybody knows this. We've, Why? We've seen all of them. Because I wear them on the show. Yeah. Okay. So I love, I will get a US Open hat, which will be cool but I really want a country club hat. I want a hat that says the country club of Brookline. Or like, I want like they're what the members get, right? Like what's the membership hat? That's what I want. It's like when you go, it's like getting an Augusta national hat instead of a master's hat. Mm -hmm. That's, that's, that's what you want. <laughs> God. It's that's so sick. You need more because, hats. Because the only, the only, the only place you can get it is the clubhouse. So you basically have to be there or know someone that's there. You can't generally buy it online because if I go look up the U.S. Open merch right now, it'll be the 2022, the, the Country Club U.S. Open. It's the squirrel holding a nut. That's the logo. It's about to bite into it. That's the logo. I can buy a million of those. But can I buy a hat that says the Country Club? Probably not unless I step foot into the member pro shop. So the member pro shop doesn't have like an online shop? This place is like, it's like 1913. No, I can't imagine they're online. <laughs> They'll send it to you via like a, a bird. Snail mail. <laughs> yeah. The Pony Express. <laughs> yeah. I, I doubt that. So that's cool. It's like, it's like one, not only is it a hat that I, I want to wear and I, and it's cool, but like, it's a suit. The only place I could have gotten it was there. So I had to be there or someone I know had to be there. But. Well, I can't wait to see you wear that hat. Uh, hopefully multiple. I'm going to spend a lot of money in that. If, if, there, if I can get into the, the members pro shop, we will have to um, possibly refinance the house. <laughs> the Pony Express, that would have worked because that, it only operated for one year. That's impossible. What, what did? What? The Pony Express? From 1860 to 1861, why is there so much talk about it? Why is there so much like, um, it was so influential as being the first mail service. I think we're getting off track. This is, we're in, this is the unknown part. We we're going to get back. focused today. I know. We're going to get back. To, I promise. We're going to get back in like 30 seconds. I would have thought this was much more prevalent for like decades. It only operated for 18 months. There's movies about this. This is, in, this is like the United States Postal Service. The creation of it. I know. I don't, I don't have any opinions. So actually, so actually if, if, if Brookline was still stuck in 1913, they couldn't even send it to me, Pony Express, because that's it been done for, for 50 years. <laughs> yeah. All right. Players to watch. <clears throat> oh, my favorite segment. Really? Why? I don't know, because last time I just kept being like, that's a player to watch. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jordan Speed. 
he's always a player to watch. But I, but it makes total sense. So, so let's cover all the bases here. 12 months ago, no, six months ago, when we would have done a very early major championship preview, Jordan Spieth's name popped up a lot, and it popped up especially for Brookline. I'd argue he's playing much better than we would have hoped or expected that he's playing. So that still stands. And additionally, you have a situation where, are we waving to people? Hey, guys. Yeah, hey. Good to see you. <laughs> um, yeah, there we go. Uh, <laughs> you, that was you. You got distracted. I know. It also you like, started it. It looks My like it's a huge crowd and then they leave and then that's when the camera goes on them. So it looks like I was just waving to nobody. You could have been waving <laughs> to nobody. Yeah. Uh, so he's driving it probably the best he has in a while. Sorry, who are you? Oh, Jordan, Jordan Spieth. Spieth. Okay. He's hitting his second shots well. He finally found the putter recently. He's got to marry it all together. I think we're close. And also, you got to be creative. You got to have an elite short game. Spieth's got the magic. And you got to be, you have to have every shot. You have to have every shot around these greens. Who has every shot around these greens? Jordan Spieth has every shot around these greens. Yeah, he's definitely very creative. Very creative. Him and, um, he and Patrick Reed. We're going to talk about Patrick Reed in a second. I only said that because I heard you say that they're creative. Yeah, I also, <laughs> Shane Lowry's another guy who I think is creative. And Lowry's been awesome. I'm hoping Lowry wins the RBC Canadian. That would be very good for us. But either way, the guy's like, his worst finish this year is like a T35. He's been piling up great finishes. Great short game. I, I actually don't twist these words. It's very different to play at Brookline versus any of an open, open championship courses. But I think the creativity required for this U.S. Open is closer to a, an open championship than a lot of other venues. And that's like, that's Shane Lowry. Give him options. He's playing the... This is the best stretch of Shane Lowry's career by far. I can't wait. Can't wait. Patrick Reed's the last one. Could you imagine? Oh, no. So here's the situation. He's got the creativity. Mm -hmm. He's playing well enough. Mm -hmm. He's got the elite short game. Mm -hmm. He's a villain. Mm -hmm. And he wants to be the villain. Mm -hmm. He thrives in being villainous. Yes. Do you think... It's like when on Saturday at Tory was the incident, the the plugged yeah. ball incident. Yeah. And he played the final round knowing everyone hated him and he did not want him to win. He goes out and wins the golf tournament. He thrives on being that guy. So I already know the answer to this, but like what right now is like that Saturday plugged incident? Uh, he's going to live golf. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't say that part. Well, that was not building, everybody knows. I was building the case. <laughs> yeah. It's not official yet, but it's, it's going to happen. And like, could you imagine as his last final parting shot? That's to such win a, the US that's Open, such a Patrick Reed thing. And then go to Portland yeah. for event number two. And be like, Deuces. Like my last, and like he'll come back for other majors, I guess. Yeah. But my last, like, see you guys. Yeah. I'm getting out of town. Do you think that the, his pay for the live golf stuff would go up if he won? He should renegotiate. I 100% agree. Because that would be, if your, if your US Open champion flees to a rival league the next day, oh. You should, you, he should call Greg Norman and renegotiate. It's just such great controversy. That would be, and, and like that's, and it's not outrageous, right? Like it would, I would say the same, like if Phil, like, I, oh my God, if Phil won this golf tournament. 
mm-hmm. or was even in the mix. Mm-hmm. But he still's not playing that well. Reed's playing much better, and this is actually a good setup for him. Even if Dustin Johnson was playing well, we'd be like, yeah, okay, that's annoying, but like DJ's not necessarily a villain, and DJ's the best of the guys who went. Mm-hmm. So it's not super shocking. Mm-hmm. Reed's the perfect combination of villain and skill. And for it to be the, you know, right before the first event that he's playing. That he's going to play. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. It's going to be so good. Yeah. We, ha- we haven't even said a word about Tiger Woods yet. He's not well, playing. Yeah, I was going to say, what's the news on this? He's not playing? He's not playing. Because it's, it's like hard to walk or something? <laughs> that would probably be a pretty big <laughs> detriment, yes. Yeah. But yeah, he's going to get ready for the Open Championship. It's smart. Okay. But that has completely… There has never been a time in my life where the Tiger news got completely just glossed over. That that story was a story for seven minutes. There's a lot going on in golf. There's a lot going on in golf. Yeah. I don't hate it. I mean, it's, you know, made it a little more exciting for me. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. I mean, I I've, I obviously watched the live stuff, but. Yeah. I didn't watch it. I have such a terrible take. Good. You already, you know what it is. Fire away. I loved it. <laughs> Like this looks cool. You like the look. The presentation. I love was... the look, and it's you know because I'm not like a yeah. diehard golf fan. I just thought it looked nice. I love that the the on the side leaderboard thing. I I had zero issues with the presentation for the most part. Yeah, the golf wasn't good, and I don't know sure. if I'll follow. Like Charles Schwartzel and Henny Duplessis battling it out. Right. I don't care. Of course, but if you're somebody who doesn't really watch golf that much, like me. And you don't know that many golfers anyway. Right. You're like that's a great tour for you. They're all Charles Schwartzels to me, right. you know. Yeah, they're all the same. Which is not true, but I'm just saying. If, yeah. If I were. Okay. U.S. Open. Lots more to come. Oh, I'm so excited. DFS previews. Uh, tournament betting previews. Maybe a little prop action. Some live chats. Being on site. Me being in Boston, I'm just excited about that. Honestly, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna be in Boston uh, a mile and a half away from the golf course, and you are not gonna think about golf for one second. I'm not gonna watch it. I'm not. Maybe I'll watch it a little, or I'll watch you. You know. Thank you. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm just excited to be in Boston. If you're gonna be in Boston, <laughs> let us know, or I'll just see you Thursday or Friday or Saturday. Yeah. Whatever. If you're not gonna be on the golf course, let me know. Actually, I don't know. I'm I'm gonna be pretty busy. all right well on that note we will end things here um that's armina you can follow her on twitter she doesn't she mostly just retweets me and uh sometimes i just snide yeah sometimes i just troll you a little yeah so it's not really worth a follow no definitely follow me it's at armina run good if you're looking for the the torture there you can follow me at rick run good yeah which is generally the better account to follow (laughs) This has been 300 Yards to Unknown. We'll catch you next time.